And uh, I study photovoltaic devices, so solar cells. And in particular today, I want to talk about how we can actually learn from natural processes and photosynthesis to make some quite cheap and efficient uh, solar cells. To do that, well, the daily day, the day-to-day -day, um, routine kind of looks a bit like this. We spend all the day dressed like idiots, little hair, hair caps, full body suits in a, in a lab. That's because we're dealing, what we do is we, we have to use nanotechnology, so very, very sensitive uh, processing techniques to make our solar cells. And so we have to do this in a special laboratory with no dust, uh, with, a controlled with a controlled atmosphere and so forth. Uh, so the question really is, why do we, you know, why do we go through all this pain? Why, why do we bother uh, doing that? Well, the, the reason is there's a problem in the world, which thankfully has already been addressed a bit. There's, um, we, society right now relies on fossil fuels for our, our global energy supply. We may be running out, although that's probably not really a factor for quite a bit of time, but we are definitely changing global temperatures. So the obvious solution is use a much more available, renewable, clean source of energy, that being, in this case, the sun. This uh, graphic depicts that huge cube shows how much energy there's available in the sun, and that smaller cube to the left of it shows how much we actually need. So that leads to a ridiculous sort of number like that. We actually only need about 0.3% of the total surface area of the world to be covered by solar panels to be able to provide us with all the energy we need. Uh, so you'd think, you know, why not? Well, that even smaller cube all the way on the right is actually how much of the solar energy we actually do use. So clearly something's stopping us, um, and I'll talk a bit about what we're doing to try and actually tap into that huge uh, power supply. First, I'd, I have to start a little bit with how light interacts with matter, because that's fundamentally how a solar cell works. We need to take the energy in the light and turn that into electricity. Luckily, we've had a small introduction to quantum already, so you know that things happen in disc discrete energy amounts. And what, what actually happens in, um, well, light is not composed of just a random mix of, of uh, well, it is composed of a random mix. What it is, it's, it's a bunch of different photons with different energies that are, that are impingent from the sun onto the Earth. Since the photons have different energies, you'll actually have different colors of light coming from the, from the sun. You can see that the, uh, the top curve there shows as a function of wavelength, which is inversely proportional to the energy of the light. You see how much power is hitting the Earth. Then if you go to the bottom curve, that's actually how much gets through the atmosphere onto the, the Earth's surface. Then the bit in the middle with the different colors shows that actually the visible light, the, the bit that we actually use to see, is only a very small proportion of all the light that is impinging on the Earth. Uh, and then when this light hits things on the Earth, so like this table or any, anything, is there something green? Well, like any, anything, let's say, all these green chairs, if the light comes in, the, fact, the reason that it's green is because the green light did not get absorbed by that material. In fact, only the higher energy light was absorbed by that material, the blue light. All the other light was scattered, was bounced off of the material, or reflected or passed right through. And that's why things have, have colors. And this, this, is the, um, this is the fundamental fundamentals of how solar panels work. You need to take the energy in that light, the material needs to absorb that energy, and then you can, that, that absorbed energy gets transferred to an electron. This electron now kind of bounces around, is ready, it's happy to go, and it can then be taken out of the solar panel and be used in electrical circuit. Right, so the, this photovoltaic effect, the, the effect of absorbing light, 
and then transferring that energy to an electron was first discovered by uh, Becquerel in 1939. Wasn't really used in any real applications until 1954, which is when the first silicon solar cells, which are the same ones as ones you see on buildings, on the side of roads today. And that's kind of what this, this picture is. This is a, a conventional silicon solar cell that, we, that you see all the time. Unfortunately, while they are quite efficient, their pricing is a bit too high at the moment. It's the, the raw material costs are high, the processing is expensive. So it's not really kicked off. And that's why that cube all the way on the right before was so tiny com compared to how much energy we actually need to use. So what myself and, well, I'm coming after about 30 years of previous researchers, obviously. Um, our research field is trying to look at what happens in photosynthesis, which is the natural process of absorbing light and using the energy in the light to make electrons do work in a, in a plant, using that process to actually think about how we can make better solar cells ourselves. In photosynthesis, a photon will come in, the chlorophyll will absorb that, that, that light, that photon, the energy will be transferred to an electron, which in, in the plant is actually used to reduce CO2 into glucose. This is a uh, well, this is, this is the basis of, of all life on Earth. And so our, our thought is, can we do something similar? Can we use the light-absorbing pigments in plants to also absorb the light and then do something with the electron after that? And so what I've got here is a little demonstration. Uh, so I've actually, there you see, I've just got a little bit of blackberries. And this is a little, yeah, you can see that. That's a glass, conductive glass slide coated with um, a film of nanoparticles, of titanium dioxide nanoparticles. Essentially, this film of titanium dioxide nanoparticles is, acts like a sponge in the bottom left corner of, of this screen. You can see that. And it soaks up all the pigments in the juice. And then hopefully we can get, when I put this in, in there. yep, this is exactly like the science we do in the lab. <laughs> So when you, when you put that in, eventually the color will turn from transparent to the color of the fruit juice. And then you've actually adsorbed the, the, uh, the colorful pigments from the, from the berry onto the titanium dioxide. And from there, we hope to be able to use the, um, the incoming light, the energy from the incoming light, to excite an electron in the, in the light-absorbing pigment, and then use that to do electrical work. So the way this is similar to photosynthesis is that in photosynthesis, the, this is not really my expertise, by the way, but it is similar. It's nice in, in a nice way. Uh, you have the light come in. Chlorophyll absorbs that light. An electron in the chlorophyll becomes excited. Like I said, it's kind of moving around. It's ready to go. And it then gets to hop over to an electron transporting uh, medium within the cell. This, this kind of transports that electron to where it needs to go <laughs> to reduce CO2 into glucose. At the same time, you've not, you're not left with the chlorophyll that's lost an electron. It's, it's, it's missing an electron, which is not a stable state. So you need to bring the electron back into it. And for that, in, in nature, water is used. You oxidize water. And that's why you need both water and CO2 during the process of photosynthesis. In our solar cells, we have, which is in the bottom here, we have a dye, so it's a sensitizer, which in this particular case is blackberry juice. Again, the energy from the light excites an electron, which is then transported into the titanium dioxide nanoparticles that I put on, on, the glass, on the glass film. From there, you can collect the electron out of a circuit. But same problem, we were left with an absence of an electron in the actual absorbing uh, molecule. So we have to use um, a redox electrolyte, 
I'm not going to go into the details of what this is. This is just something that can act as a reservoir for electrons that can then be transported through, and then you have a continuous current through the cell. Hopefully, the uh, hopefully the substrate, the sample is now been in the juice for long enough that it's that it's uh, gotten a bit of color on it. This is, this is not because it's dangerous, but just because I don't want to get juice all over myself. All right. Okay. Yeah, good. You can see that it's now become quite a dark color compared to the transparent color it had before. And I'm going to quickly rinse the, uh, the excess, rinse the excess uh, juice from there to clean it up. Because as much as it is possible to make a solar cell just from, from fruit juice, it's not going to work very well if we've actually got bits of fruit stuck in it. All right. That's, that's better. Let's see which side's which. Okay, so just drying it real quick. All right, so there's our film of titanium dioxide nanoparticles with a bunch of light-absorbing pigments in it that we've gotten from the blackberry juice. Now I'm going to <coughs> apply a bit of that electrolyte that I talked about. This bit is a little bit toxic. All right, so I just need a few drops. Oh, yeah, you can see all that. Okay. And then I'm going to make a little solar cell sandwich. So I've got the other pe another piece of glass I'm just going to put right on top. There we go. Clip it. Okay, so that's, that's more or less the finished project, pro product. This is nothing like what our solar cells look like in the lab. But uh, it works, amazingly enough. It, it works. It works quite nicely. And so I've brought a little voltmeter, so we can actually check how much voltage this solar cell that I've just made produces. And I always, I always get amazed by how well they actually do. So it's it's actually under the light, so I don't need to use this this lamp, I guess. But what you'll see. Let's have a look. Can you see that number? Yeah. So it's actually producing almost 200 millivolts, which is not the highest I've ever seen it do, but still, you know, you have, you, so you're generating a photovoltage here. If I take it out away from the light, you see it goes down. So that, that's quite nice evidence that really you're actually absorbing the, the, the light, generating excited electrons, and using that to do uh, electrical work. So that, that's uh, how to make a solar cell in about five minutes. In. Right here. All right. <clears throat> so what we what we do in our in our lab, we don't we don't actually use fruit juices. We like to think that we can do a little bit better than than nature, and so we actually work on on uh, d synthesizing and characterizing new absorbing pigments, things that absorb the light more effectively than the molecules in in plants. And we also like we also try to develop semiconductors that can transport the electrons more efficiently and more and more quickly. 
than, uh, than will happen in natural processes of photosynthesis. And recently that's led to quite a nice breakthrough coming from both our group and groups in Korea, Japan, and Switzerland. Within the last three years or so, we've uh, kind of, as, a, as the whole field has developed a type of solar cell called perovskite solar cells. The perovskite is just a crystal structure of the, uh, of the material. And this is essentially, this is a semiconductor that's able to absorb a lot of the light <coughs> and at the same time transport the electrons very efficiently. So we've been able to make uh, solar cells approaching 20%, 20 and that's percent means the amount of energy converted into electricity compared to the energy coming in from the sun. So about 20% which is about the same as you get from the big solar panels that you see around um, on roofs, but this should be about 10 times cheaper. The reason being that here we can actually just literally paint the layers on uh, conductive glass, and there's your, there's your solar cell. The glass is the most expensive part of, of these solar cells. And uh, if, if any of you are interested, these are some kind of uh, popular media uh, reports on this technology. And we hope to see a lot of uh, even more improvements in the future. We think it's quite an exciting time. Thank you for your attention, and this is this is great.